0: Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by boxing legend and author, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, before I turn it over to you, I just want to remind people, I get a ton of questions about Teddy Atlas working with Teddy Atlas and I want to remind people that if you're interested in learning more about Teddy Atlas no one will tell the story better than Teddy himself check out his audiobook on audible.com Atlas from the streets to the ring a son's journey to struggle to become a man there it is check it out and one more thing if you like Teddy's style check out box raw the 36 collection 36 minutes to make life fair you can get one of these cool training T shirts, look like a boxing pro with the number thirty six on the back. Check it out. Support Teddy. Help us out. We appreciate it. Teddy, how you doing?
1: Good. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate it. Um no, doing good. Um uh, my my son surprised us and came home first time in fourteen years that he was home, being that he you know, he works in the NFL. It's uh Obviously, you get no time off, so the first time in fourteen years that he got home at a holiday, he came home for Easter with his wife and his our grandson his son his three year old son Teddy the fourth so it was really it was really special uh to have him with us with our whole family together, all my grandchildren, our grandchildren, and again, first time in fourteen years that he's been home for the holidays and listen um i i love all you fans you know the nice ones the nice ones <laughs> <laughs> no, you're all great you're i know you have tough days sometimes we all do but listen we appreciate all of you and we always uh care about being transparent <laughs> i know i've cared about that um my whole career it's important Obviously, being honest is something you're supposed to be and, and straightforward. So, I should tell you, I wasn't looking to, to be quite frank, but most of you all know my son has worked for the Raiders for the last 13 years. And um, you also know they, they brought in a new crew from New England, uh, you know, to uh, a new GM, a new coach. And as often happens, when you bring in a new regime, they bring their own people and that that has happened my son was released last week from the raiders uh after 13 years there after surviving four regimes four administrations there which is from what people tell me in the business it's it's pretty unheard of um my son is great my daughter is great i'm very proud of him. uh the gm was very very gracious when they uh told him they were releasing him, they told him that, you know, obviously it had nothing to do with him or his talent, his work, that they made up their minds, they're bringing their own people in, and that they would give him the greatest uh, recommendation you could give somebody that if another team called, uh, which obviously is the way of the NFL, You, you last for so long and then you move on to the next team, and you hope that you last there. But, um... There's a reason they call the NFL not for long. But, again, they uh, said that they would give them a greatest recommendation you could get, referral. That was the word I was looking for. And uh, there are other teams that are now talking to them. I I can also tell you that, uh, you know, it's part of the journey. It's part of the journey. We understand that. We always understood it. Again, he was a rarity. He stayed there for 13 years with all those changes. But uh, the time has come. It's meant to be. And uh, I can't tell you nice enough things about the owner, Mark Davis, the way he treated my son the whole time and, and at this moment too, uh, how, how good he was to him uh, and and how you know, how um, good he's been to him the whole time. Uh, Mark Davis's father, the legend, uh, you know, the the legend Al Davis would be proud of him. Proud that he got a team and a stadium in Las Vegas, an incredible stadium, and proud of the way he treats people. Um, So we're on to the next uh, chapter uh, in our lives and in my son's lives. And again, it's there's several teams right now that are, you know, talking to them. Nothing will shake out until uh, until after the draft. I mean, the draft is the key right now. It's coming up to the end of this month, and when that's over, that's when we're hoping that we'll find out where Teddy's next uh, next home in the NFL will be. Uh, he he's got a great resume. Uh, he's got a reputation in the league as being what any father would wish that their son would have a reputation being uh, reliable, trustworthy, uh, and always always coming through on what is put in front of him, and very good at what he does. You know, very just very good at what he does. Very smart and prepared. So we'll be on to the next uh, the next venture.
0: Yeah, for sure and I know we have some NFL execs that listen to the show, so if you're out there and looking for a scout, I second what Teddy says. Teddy Jr is uh is a beast when it comes to scouting and work ethic. Like he said, Teddy said 14 years never catching a holiday with the family. Incredible dedication and commitment. And for the short period I worked in the prison back in the day, <laughs> being the junior person, I know that feeling of working on Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving. It takes a ton of uh, mental fortitude to get through that and miss out on those things. So I'm sure he's gonna land on his feet. Good luck to Teddy Jr. And uh, uh, some team out there is gonna be lucky to get him. Uh, Teddy, big weekend in boxing. Anytime the heavyweights are in action, it's the equivalent of the Super Bowl for boxing. The people were out in force. The tweet storms were were incredible. You had your own, but everyone was involved. People, The people, uh, everyone comes out for the heavyweight fight. And um, unfortunately, the undercard they put on was as bad as I've ever seen in terms of undercards for a pay-per-view. Look, we're all there for the main event, but it would be nice to get a couple like even exciting prospects and no disrespect to the people that were on the card. But I mean, come on, man, that was, it was not good. Um, But the main event I thought delivered, we got a, what was it? uh Six round, six round stoppage, six, six good. I thought it was six in entertaining rounds. And then finally Tyson Fury catches him with that uppercut. Uh Dillian White's kryptonite. It seems like every shot that has dropped him has been that uppercut. It's like, he's never made the adjustment. And, he got hit with a good one. Tyson Fury delivers on what he says he's going to do and knocks him out cold. Uh, I just saw today, as a matter of fact, Dillian White says, um, you know, when Tyson did hit him, he kind of shoved him down, which as everyone knows, you're not allowed to push. But it was almost like a formality. He just kind of pushed him over. And Dillian claims that when he went down, he banged his head on the canvas. And that's what really knocked him senseless, which I, I'm not buying into the excuse, but it is true that when you fall back and snap your head back and it hits the canvas, that's when you can get really damaged and re- it becomes really dangerous. Um, nevertheless, what would you think of the fight and how would you think of the uh, of the knockout and the punch, etc.?
1: First of all, did you see footage that indeed showed that he hit his head and bounced back up? Because I didn't. I, and, I have and, not. And then ESPN missed the boat. Because on that, being at the, the bush, they should automatically take into account and foresee these questions. That we all saw him push him, but first he hit him with the uppercut right on the chin. We all saw him push him. The first thing they should have done, the director, everybody there, the talent, the director, all in unison was hey let's see if his head hit let's see if the push actually is eventful because the push means diddly squat unless as you just said it forces them to hit his head harder on a can otherwise it don't mean nothing it's got no relevance it doesn't play into the picture here but if he did hit his head because of that push then maybe maybe you could say a little something but obviously you're stretching it you're reaching uh the punch was the thing that did you know did the damage. Uh, as punches do uh, when they catch a guy where he doesn't see the punch coming, which I think was the case here. But I would like to see the replay to see whether or not that even does come into play, so to speak. Um,
0: I'm sure Rob's working on it, but I'm looking for it too. So as yeah, you go going I'll see yeah, if I can find and it. and listen,
1: first of all, I, I disagree with you a little bit where for me, what saved the show was the knockout. Everyone loves the knockout. Everyone's happy. You know, the sensational knockout. Everyone loves it, especially with heavyweights. But it was not a good fight. It was not a good fight. It became one-sided. became bored, boring. And sometimes Super Bowls are overhyped. And they don't turn out to be what you would consider should be for a Super Bowl. Sometimes heavyweight. Title fights all overhyped and they don't even ones that sell ninety six thousand seats at Wembley Stadium. That which is very unusual to say the least. Um they don't always turn out to live up to the hype or live up to the expectations. This did not. This was a failure in that area. They made a lot of money, but it did not live up to the hype. The knockout saved it. The first thing I say is, as well-prepared as Fury was and as good as he wound up looking, that's how bad Darian White was. Instead of talking about the push, what he should talk about is his lack of preparation for the style that he was going to deal with in front. His corner, everybody who gets paid, everybody who has a responsibility, everybody who's part of that effort, they, they did a lousy job. Uh, you don't like the truth spoken? Don't listen to this show, okay? Because they <laughs> they they didn't do a good job. Uh, the fighter and everybody involved—they did not look prepared for what they were going to deal with. A six-foot-nine guy with a very long reach who who can box and when he chooses to. Now he comes after you sometimes. Y- yeah, okay, you had to be prepared for that too. I get it, but. He's also known to have the jab, to be able to stand on the outside and use that jab, and if you're facing a guy with those weapons, with those gifts of of length and height, you have to have a plan. You have to have a strategy. How If he decides to stay on the outside, how am I going to deal with that? They had no idea, no damn idea of how to deal with it, except – once in a while launched one of these air movers normally i would call it a haymaker but it was an air mover it, that's all it did it moved the air around you know maybe it was getting a little bit um uh, you know uh lack of circulation at Wembley stadium so they helped the air circulation at Wembley stadium can they they threw by these- the way
0: I- I've just watched the video clip the top rank put out about six times at different angles, and I don't see his head even remotely hit the canvas when he goes down.
1: So there it is. That's why I brought that up right away. You know, if you're gonna now nah, you're on it. Yeah, if you're gonna make a big deal about something, let's make sure it's a big deal. Let's make sure it's real. Let's Completely go to court. Agree. Let's go to court and look at Exhibit A and say, okay, the plaintiff says that you pushed him, and your push caused him to go back. At a velocity greater than he normally would have, went back and hit his head, and that's where he did most of the damage. Okay, here's and the upcut. He's got it here, and there here he it goes.
0: Is. Okay, his head never even touched the canvas, not even for a split second. No, it second. looked
1: like his shoulders hit first, so his back and shoulders. Hundred percent. Yeah, so there. So we can put that out of. Um, we'll call ourselves Judge Ted and Judge Ken. Um, yeah, <laughs> definitely not Judge Judy. Okay, throw <laughs> throw that out. That that. That's a frivolous claim. Uh, bring in the next. Bring the next case in. Bring in the next, next case. Next, they're
0: gonna say, Teddy. Next, they're gonna say he had a horseshoe in his glove, and his ho- and his glove was loose. He was punching where the laces were, like he did against Deontay Wilder. The excuses are just insane. Well, he got caught and knocked out clean. That's why End we're here. Story.
1: We're here to resolve those things. We're here, you know, to put testament to what uh, really happened, and uh, the best we can, and I and we just did. So any of your fans out there that were you know, listening to that claim, hopefully we've addressed it properly now and we've put that to rest so we can move on from there. Uh, that was not the reason why he got knocked out. He got knocked out because he was not prepared in the way he should have been and he got hit right on the chin with a right-hand uppercut that he didn't see.
0: All right, guys, I want to take a minute to give a shout-out to our newest sponsor, a product that I've been using for a while here. It's called Feel Free. It's a kava-based herbal tonic, basically an herbal supplement that is can be calming and energizing all in one. I was introduced to this product by the great Trey Hardy, two-time decathlon world champ and Olympic silver medalist. If you don't know, the decathlon world champion is widely considered the best athlete in the world decathlon consists of 10 different track events from sprinting to high jumping shot putting etc when trey told me he was using this stuff in training he's i don't know how old trey is probably in his 30s but he looks like an 18 year old freak of nature he told me he was using it so i said let me give this stuff a try it's advertised as like a calming tonic but also like i said provides energy i took this before the nashville half marathon and ran a 90 second pr i had run my best time was like 112 i ran a 110 and change uh right after taking this like two minutes before i got on the start line so i love it i, I think it gives me energy i take it like if i need to pick me up uh a lot of people will claim it creates a euphoric experience i can see why they would say that like you have to trust me when I tell you this stuff makes me feel good why I have no idea but I love it Rob and I reached out to them tried to get them involved with us they wanted to sponsor the show so I'm psyched to have them involved you know they have a um it's called feel free they were like feel free and blah 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 the add your own tagline but for me feel free to treat your health and fitness like your life depends on it because it does Take care of yourself like it's important because it is. Please believe me when I say that. For our listeners, when you check out, use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S, and you will get 40% off your purchase. It's an unbelievable offer. It really is. Um, It's the best offer out there. Feel free. Go to BotanicTonics.com. B-O-T-A-N-I-C-T-O-N-I-C tonics dot com and use the promo code atlas at checkout 40% off your purchase check them out let me know what you think i'm dying to hear the feedback on this i love it i take it almost daily but on an as needed basis so check it out let me know what you think and uh thanks for supporting the show getting back
1: to what i was saying you're gonna fight a guy with those kind of assets physical assets you have to you have to have a, a a a strategy. Now, Fury had a strategy, and I, and I got to tell you, he has two dimensions, now he's got three. He's three-dimensional. And I don't think people realize he brought a new dimension in. A, he always showed he can motor around, motor scoot around the ring like he did in the first water fight and keep you off balance and, you know, play defense and... and be be the most mobile heavyweight there is right now. You know, copying a little bit from the pages, you know, of of a poor man's Muhammad Ali, if you will, because nobody was Muhammad Ali. So I have to, I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying, poor man's, to make it clear that I'm separating him and Ali in a way that, you know, the way they should be separated. Uh, so that was one of his dimensions. The other dimension he showed that he adapted in the second wilder fight was he could go get you. He could walk in, use a 270 or so pound frame and go crush you. This time what he did was what I thought he should always be doing. He grabbed the canvas, can. It was a combination of boxing, like the scooter and the purpose of scooting around the ring to be elusive, you know, to, to be hard to hit and the coming forward where you're using your power, you're using your size. He put them both. He condensed them both. Again, this is what I would have done with him from the beginning by setting his feet in the canvas and using his reach to control range to dictate range you stay there i stay here and he's always got the advantage to catch you before you could catch him before you could get into his range and you have to go through a bad neighborhood to get into his range and he's going to mug you he's gonna that's the style for a guy like fury that i would have had for the b and he adapted it to his and his trainer's credit they did a good job with that where it was a little bit of a different look but you should have been prepared for it because the potential was always there where again you come in six inches he's going back 12 he's keeping you at the end of his jab where you're going to be susceptible, you're going to be the victim if you stay there. You can't hit him, he can hit you. And then he's going to adjust and keep that range and continue to keep that gap where it's always going to be dangerous for you to get to him. Always going to be an uphill struggle, if you will, to get to him where he's going to be able to catch you as you try to do that. In other words, he's going to charge you for real estate, not money, but punches, you want to come in, you're going to pay two punches, three punches to come in before you could get to the big guy, to, to, to me. So he did that beautifully. What again, what they did horribly, what they screwed up horribly was any idea of how to deal with it. And here's the idea that was missing right from the beginning, Ken. You got to use a jab. When you got a guy who's dominating you with the jab, I don't care if his jab's longer. I don't care if it's better. Ask Mike Tyson what he did with taller guys that had longer jabs. He moved his head, got inside that longer jab, and he jabbed him with his jab. But you got to be taught that stuff. You got to be taught that stuff. And he, he needed to use his jab to nullify the other guy. If not nullify it, at least keep it under control to at least keep Fury honest. He didn't have to have a better jab, but he had to have a semblance of a jab just to keep Fury from doing what he did, controlling the outside the way that he controlled it, being the boss and being the king on the outside, where he could control range and just make you a sitting duck, just make you a victim. He needed to have a jab coming at fury. forget about the power punches he had to have a jab to keep fury stable on the outside worrying about something 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 to respect something to kind of as i used to say on espn put bugs on the windshield blow your vision a little bit so you don't have such a clear road of of being able to see what you want to see where you have a jab coming at you to, to keep you busy, to keep you from just having your way. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. Every once in a while he reached in with one of those haymakers and it was it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. He's lucky he didn't get caught when he did that because he he, he should have got caught right there. And then when the fight started, the first thing I thought, if I'm commentating, the first thing I thought was, wow, both these guys are pushing their jabs. They're not getting the most out of their jam. The bigger guy, the shorter guy, neither one are getting the most. They're both using it as range finders. They're just pushing it out. Whoever decides to extend the jab first to get full extension on the jam, as you should, he's going to be the man. He's going to be the boss. He's going to be the one who leads the way. He's going to be the lighthouse that brings the ships in. And his ships are going to be the right hands behind it. Whoever does that first. And the guy who did it first, the next round, I think it was the next round or the round after, Fury. He started getting a full extension. And it was basically over. It was basically. Now, I know he came out and he played a little bit. It made me a little bit. It, 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 was, it was a little, you know, um, reminding of Hagler. And Sugar Ray Leonard, when Hagler, the greatest, one of the greatest southpaws and middleweights of all time, came out in an orthodox stance to throw Leonard off a little bit the first couple rounds. You know, he he came out orthodox. Well, it was the opposite of that, but the same the same idea. Where Fury, who's an orthodox fighter, comes out southpaw for the first round. Now, the only reason I could think he did that. He's a showman anyway, and he's a clever guy, and he—he's always thinking. Was to make white think about anything but what he should be thinking about. <laughs> really, that's simple. To make him maybe even think too much, like, oh, whoa, oh, wait a minute, I gotta be on the lookout for something here. I gotta, I, I gotta, I, I, I gotta be aware here of something's amiss. Something's—he's got something up his sleeve, and then. The next round, he goes to what he was always going to do, jabbing the guy's freaking head off with his left hand. (laughs) So now he goes to what he was always going to do, jabbing. And meanwhile, Dillian White, maybe he's still thinking, oh, what's he going to be up to? What's he up to? He's up to jabbing your head off all night long (laughs) until he hits you with right hand. That's what he's up to.
0: What'd you think of in the fourth round when they got over in the corner in Tyson Fury's corner, and they were like, "Should have been reprimanded." To
1: punch. The corner, the corner should have been reprimanded for throwing water, and that was wrong. I mean, listen, can you it didn't, imagine it didn't that change- they didn't?
0: I know, but they don't even take a point when the corner throws water on Dillian White. Like, what the hell? That was so out of line, so unprofessional. It like it was Tyson Let me talk about what,
1: what could have happened, what didn't happen, but could have. First of all, you're 100% right. It was wrong. He's, the corner should have been reprimanded. But could you imagine if that water went in his eyes and blinded him for, which is very, like a, very possible, and it blinded him for a second? And at that moment, he got hit with a punch and got dropped and got knocked out. What do you do then? What do you do then? Disqualify you to, disqualify yeah, the other yeah, guy. You have to disqualify Fury. If Fury's the guy landed be, the water goes in the eyes of Dillian White from his corner, you gotta disqualify So luckily that didn't happen. And and changed the whole course of the night. Luckily that didn't. But at the very least, it could have they could have done it again the next round because they weren't reprimanded. They should have been reprimanded immediately. Immediately, by obviously by the referee um, who who did not do that. The other thing that, since you brought me to this, Ken, the other thing there was there was the crowd was. It was a little scary. It could have been dangerous. All those people in the corner—that could get dangerous. I mean, that's it, it what looked, I want to ask you. Look,
0: like Fury had like ten people in his corner, and I mean, I know from working with you at the Vosnick fight, we had like three, four people maximum. But it was like and the commission like made very sure. specific about it. Yeah, the commission—we ain't having it.
1: There was ninety-six thousand people. I'm going to say it again. That's a lot of people. You ever have ninety-six thousand people in your house? I know it's big enough to hold them. <laughs> Huh? I, <laughs> I don't I, even like I, having I, nine I, people I, in my house. <laughs> I know it's big enough to hold them. But, but <laughs> you know, 96,000 people, Ken, that could become a dangerous situation very fast. God forbid. God forbid. Like soccer stadiums, when you get that many people yep. and you hear the tragedy that happens sometimes when things get out of control. There were too many people around ringside there. And that could have got Definitely. out of control. That could have. Thank God it didn't. Thank God it didn't. But... Getting back to the fight, he did a brilliant job, Fury, of knowing the right fight plan, as I said, and controlling White on the outside with his jab, setting the table, and then looking to eat with the right hand. Now, he was throwing. I'll tell you where it was genius too, Genius, genius. I I knock people when they should be knocked, I give them all the credit when they get it, or should get it. What a genius... Uh, Thinking, strategy, move, everything. He he's setting his eye level with the jab. He's making him stand tall. He made D White standing tall with the jab, and and he's got a, and he's mesmerizing him with the jab. He's not destroying him with it, but he's he's keeping his attention and he's focusing his eyes to that level. He's got D.N. White's eyes right at that level, uh, up at that height. And then what does he do for the first time the whole night? He throws an uppercut from the other level, from below. It was like that movie. It was like the Ben Askren movie, Live by Night, where they came...
0: Ben Ben Affleck Ben I'm, Ben Askren I'm, is the, no Ben is Affleck. The wrestler. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm well, sorry.
1: Askren started acting. I think uh, recently. I'm not sure. He might be in a movie. Comedy. I'm not sure. I'm only kidding. Ben Askren, of course, is, to him, <laughs> is the great UFC fighter, champion uh, MMA, and great, great, great wrestler, and um, uh, you know, just just one of the great MMA uh, fighters uh, and wrestlers uh, that.
0: And, that, and personality, that we've, awesome that guy that we've
1: had, and and just a, a a really decent person, a good person, um,
0: very much so.
1: But so Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck is in his movie "Live by Night," and in it, he's having a, you know, he's having a uh, war with these other mobsters. He's a mobster, and they come in, and they think they're going to kill Ben Affleck and all his people. And they're coming in, and they figure, they they take over the hotel where they are, the other mobsters, and they figure they got Affleck uh, at a disadvantage. And then all of a sudden, the mobster with Affleck hears some shooting, and he says, where's that coming from? And Affleck looks at him and laughs and says, you thought we were coming from above. In the front door. Meanwhile, we came from below. <laughs> and we're killing your men. That's your men being killed right now because we came from below. Because there were tunnels there from years ago. And we used the tunnels. And that was the strategy of, of Fury. He gets him up high, looking at the jab, getting his eyes fixated on that level... And then he comes from below, and it's the first thing, first fight, uh, punch, uh, the first uppercut all night. Ken, the first uppercut. How'd you like the
0: speed? How'd you like that hand speed? No,
1: no, very good. But here is the key: he had the discipline. Forget about hand speed. He had the discipline to wait all night to the right moment. You know, you hear about it in life all the time: the right moment the right have the discipline and then be ready at the right moment he had the discipline all night he sets him up with the jab up high up high up high up high why would he think anything else and here in the sixth round after all that time went by he chooses to come from below where his eyes were not able to adjust to the punch coming from down there and he never saw it And that's why it was so impactful. People want to make him the greatest puncher now of all time besides making him the greatest fighter. Slow down, everybody. (laughs) Slow down just a minute. Just a minute. I understand where you get a little over-exuberant. I get it. But slow down for a minute. He hit him with a hell of a nice punch. It was a well-chosen, well-placed punch at the right time. And he hit him right on the chin. And he never saw it. and and But the beauty of that punch was what I just described. Was that he waited all night to use it. And he spent all night setting it up. By getting his eyes fixated on a level where the punch was never going to come from. It was going to come from a whole different place. From the tunnels. From underneath. And terrific job. Uh, you know, and then I I gotta say one other thing. I try to touch on everything. We touched on the corner, the water. Uh, we just touched on him complaining that you know the push made his head hit the, you know, canvas, which we just uh dealt with, and we we just uh put put that to sleep. That that's that theory that that's what lost the fight for him. We we put that to rest, but the one thing that I also have to mention and I'm not saying that it was a variable in a fight or an X factor in a fight but that elaborate ring walk and it, look, it, it was well orchestrated, it uh, was well produced, uh, definitely a good promotional tool especially when you got that kind of uh, you know, crowd that, that is obviously a a, a crowd that is on your side that <laughs> if it was an enemy crowd they might not like it too much but w- when you when you have the right crowd and you put on that kind of ring entrance yeah it, it people like it the music uh the every part of it the you know the as i said the uh the promotion of it but what about the guy waiting in the ring That is not good. It is not good to have a fighter sitting in the ring as long. And now, look, this is not an excuse why he lost a fight, but it wasn't helpful to have White sitting in that ring, Ken, as long, I don't know if it was 15, 20 minutes, whatever, but to sit in there and wait for that whole production, I mean, it looked like a musical. You know what I mean? It was, <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, I. Uh, it's one of the advantages extended to the champion coming out second. We've talked about this before, before. but for people who don't know, they make the challenger come in first, and then the champion can drag his feet. The kids stand, the other guy's standing in there getting cold. If you remember when I saved Andy Ruiz and basically helped him win the uh, heavyweight title by telling him to stay warm, Andy, stay warm. How could we
1: forget that? Sh- I mean, they uh, should
0: have told well, Dillian, keep moving. I hope buddy. Andy's
1: still sending those checks to you because without you, uh he never would have got that big one so i hope he I, sends
0: me the snickers bar courtesy of his um his sponsor snickers bar i think they he had the deal yeah, with yeah but i think this reneged. i
1: think the surplus <laughs> on them ran out i think they got eaten <laughs> I, I think they they unfortunately got all eaten in a rematch but um yeah i always felt that there should be a limit put on that we have rules in every yep. other sport. Come on.
0: A hundred percent. There should
1: be a limit. I don't know what it is. Five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes. But once you saw even eight minutes, whatever. But once you start getting into those kind of minutes that this took, you're punishing that fighter in a way he shouldn't be punished. You're hurting 100%. him. hundred percent. You're handicapping him in a way that's not fair. Where I agree. Uh, you know... Now he's got to, he gets cold, and it's not only the physical component to it, it's the mental component. Well, Completely agree. Because while you're waiting there, the most important part about this is the mental side. 75% of fighting is, is mental, whether it's in an octagon or whether it's in a squared circle. And the most dangerous element of the waiting is your imagination can run amok. You have yep. to control your imagination. Well, making a guy wait twenty minutes is like a playground for your freaking <laughs> imagination. Uh, you're exactly. lo- you're allowing it to run wild, to go on the swings, to go on the on, on the freaking <laughs> monkey bars, to to uh, to to go on the slides. I mean, you're allowing it to go anywhere it wants to go. And I just know for a fact, being in this business, that it is it, it can be very hurtful to the guy who has to wait and it's one thing to wait, but it's another to wait that length of time. So that was not helpful again, is that the reason why you know he got destroyed and he you know he he looked the way he looked all night long, he being obviously uh, day and white? No. No, it's not. All I'm saying, it wasn't a good way to start a very difficult night that was in front of them. It wasn't a way to start. You know, uh, it, it'd be like going out to your prom night. You know, and you're you're running out to to see your date. You know, and you're running out to the limo, and then you're falling in a puddle of mud. <laughs> that's not a that's <laughs> not a good start to your prom night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, You know, it's not. It's not. There's there's a lot of better ones. There's a lot of better ones. Uh, for the rest of the night, you're going to be inhibited. She's probably not going to see the best of your personality. <laughs> you know, right? Definitely, right? Not. definitely no, probably, not. Probably not. Probably not. So look, at the end of the day, uh, as bad as White looked, that's how good Fury looked, uh, he... You know, he he, he did a master class in every way. I, I wanted to make sure that I gave him the dues that he deserves by breaking it down the way I just broke it down to give him his just due. Uh, but can you, can you calm down a little bit? And I know you could take it with me with the fans and beyond. But can you just calm down a little bit when commentators are saying... Now, look, I know they're beholden to the... To the guy who's giving them a paycheck and allowing them to keep their job, the network, and the promoter. I I understand that even though and you, kn-
0: and you know and you know what happens when you don't call out to the uh, promoter of record. Yeah,
1: you're doing a podcast with Ken Rideau. Okay,
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, well the Ken Rideau part it wasn't necessary, no, well, but no, yes, no, you're no, doing I'm, a podcast. I don't mean it.
1: I'm sorry. I just realized now how that sounds, <laughs> and, and I'm sorry. I am because I didn't mean it that way. I'm blessed to be doing it. If I'm doing it at all. All, i'm blessed to be doing it with ken right out how's that
0: yeah um, oh that's that's great that? i'm glad I'm, that they I'm, and i'm glad they did something so eth- so unethical is they gave me a chance to partner up with you because if they didn't if they weren't so afraid of the truth you and I probably never would have met. No, no, no. And I'd no, be over here listen. watching fights and, again, and hoping someone would listen.
1: I'm making it sound, I may, I'm sorry about that part. I'm making it sound like the old days when, when you got in trouble as a cop and uh, your next post was going to be in Siberia, right? I mean, that was the joke, <laughs> yeah. okay? You're going to be walking a post in Siberia next week, okay? Uh, I'm not walking a post in Siberia by being with Ken Rideout. I am blessed. <laughs> I am blessed to have a guy that I care about and that cares about what I care about with the show and with the fans and can share this with me and be able to just be able to enjoy together uh, an ability to meet with you people every week and bring you boxing, UFC news, and also just talk to you about life you know and and laugh every once in a while uh i can't i have said this i didn't know i was going to go to this direction of course but i i tell you i won't train a fighter anymore unless i like him i won't a lot of people look at me and say but teddy there's a lot of money involved yeah yeah
0: and guys for the for the record i can vouch for this i know some of the fighters For a fact that have reached out with big money offers. And I can tell you right now, Teddy does not take a gig that he doesn't like the person for any amount of money. I I can't stress that enough. It's not money. Money is not the motivating factor. Otherwise, he'd be selling the same line of bullshit as everyone on TV, just blowing smoke about whatever promoters, fighters are on TV. And because he wouldn't, like he said, that's why him and I are working together. Because the truth isn't appreciated by some parties.
1: Uh I appreciate that Ken and uh, but it is the truth I if I don't like the person I'm not going to camp with them for 2 months and I'm not giving up you know being away from my family to do that even at this age I'm not I'm I'm not and I'm not going to be with somebody that I have to force myself to be with just so I can earn a check I'm not going to do that I've been blessed by God I've been blessed by this business where I've been able to take care of my family and still be able to do it my way. Uh, when it comes to those things. I'm not about to change that now. And um, and I'll say the same thing about this. I would not be doing this podcast if I didn't like you. I wouldn't. I'd do it by myself. i I do whatever or find somebody else. But if I didn't like the person that I'm talking to, and feel that he was a decent person, I wouldn't be doing this. So uh,
0: I appreciate you, brother. And I love doing this. It's the it's the the most fun job I've ever had in my life. It's it's a dream come true, and I know that there's a lot of boxing aficionados out there that would love to be in this position and believe me it's not lost on me i think about it every day my wife will say to me on a regular basis can you believe you're doing a podcast about boxing with teddy atlas and every time she says it, i'm like it's effing crazy i know i love it and the other thing i'll say to the fans is when people weigh in and they're like oh you teddy doesn't like this guy don't like that guy regardless of our or our feelings or Teddy's feeling about a particular fighter i see it all the time like the, they doesn't like uh, a black fighter or a mexican fighter i'm like are you insane he breaks down the fight about the fight. If you ask about someone's personality outside of the ring, then we're gonna have an opinion on that. But the truth is the truth. There's no like bias towards anyone unless there deserves to be a bias. If they're a bad person, Teddy and I are gonna say he's a bad person. But if they're good people and they or they're good fighter, we just the truth. There's no agenda here. No one pays us except sponsors and stuff that we promote on the show. We don't get paid by anyone to like promote or 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 or, or um kowtow to anyone. And that's the beauty of the show, in my opinion, is that you're just getting honesty. Neither of us is looking for a gig. As sometimes people, I hear people, oh, they're, they're blowing smoke up Dana's ass. We're not looking for a job at the UFC. Would it be great for Teddy to do something at the UFC? Sure, but not at the cost of integrity, not at the cost of sounding like we're blowing smoke, like please hire me. Neither of us needs a job. We do this because we like it and we love the fans and 99.9% of the fans have been awesome and supportive and that's why we engage with them and try to give back whatever we can whenever we can so anyway I am to get no, that I appreciate
1: it. the thing I was saying and the point I was getting at was that I understand where you know and then we, we sidetracked a little bit but I understand where the commentators the people that again they are beholden to the promoter who's in partnership with the network to keep their job and you know and they're influenced by that there's no doubt about that um, some more, some less, whatever.
0: Well, they've uh, seen evidence uh, of what happens when someone doesn't play that role. Well,
1: and and but when you start hearing these guys, and I know the fans too, but the fans could do it because they're fans, they're fanatics. But when you're a professional, you know, supposedly a professional expert on uh, on that particular vocation, uh, and and they, you know, they are. But to start immediately saying right there, because the climate was such, uh, and that Tyson Fury is the greatest heavyweight of all time, uh, did you forget about a guy named Ali and Joe Lewis and, uh, and, and, and Jack Johnson and, and uh, Rocky Marciano? And forget about the size. We're not talking about size because all of that obviously adjusts with the era. All of that yep. changes with the era. You know, the from years ago the uh, football players, baseball players and fighters were smaller. Human beings, athletes, they were smaller. They didn't have some of the training elements and and technology and supplements that they have today. And on on the whole, they were smaller. So we're just talking about the greatness of the fighters. And part of George Foreman. I mean, I could go on and on. Joe Frazier. I mean, just you know, just go on and on. A prime Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. I forgot about him. How could I forget him? Mike Tyson. Uh, Sonny Liston. Larry Holm. Uh, like I said, I started with Ali and Joe Lewis. That's not a bad start. And you talk, <laughs> you talk about that. Part of what goes in to the judgment of that greatness is longevity. Who they fought. Now look, I know you can only fought, fight who's around in your era. And he's around in a pretty a pretty forgiving, is that too strong, a forgiving era? I shouldn't say forgiving. But Tyson Fury was around in an era that was pretty good to be Not around. Not very deep. Yeah, I mean, yeah. conducive to being a, a, a top heavyweight if you're a heavyweight. He was around in that era. Uh, He was, and he is, and he's benefiting from that, but he's also benefiting by how good he is, Uh, and he's terrific. He's the most versatile heavyweight that's been around for a hell of a long time, Uh, technically sound, dimensional. He can do so many things, brilliantly smart, and a brilliant promoter. I will put his name with Ali here without it being blasphemy. Um, where I say he, he promotes, he makes you think of Ali as a promote, promoter. His greatness is, is that great. It's, it, it outshines everyone else by that much. So, yeah, he's a genius. And I give him all the credit. He's the best heavyweight there is right now, as I said, in all the ways that I just said it. But to say, you want to say he's the greatest British heavyweight? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go nuts on that, but to say he's the greatest heavyweight in the history of a sport that's been around longer than any other sport in the world, um, with the names that I just finished throwing at you, I mean, and not only were they around when, again, you can't control the talent of your era, but these guys were around where they they fought talent of different eras. That's how long they were around, where they actually tapped their toe into the pool of talents from other eras, other decades. And Fury hasn't done that. He hasn't been asked to. He hasn't. Who knows how long he'll be around? Because he said he retired, and and now. All of a sudden it's great. That's another great thing about a guy like him, where he's unpredictable. You gotta you really you gotta give it to him. He he announces the day before the fight he's gonna retire and then in the ring he announces his next fight. <laughs> you know, that that's that's pretty magical. That's pretty special. And I know we're gonna get to that. Um and that's and and also I wanna say, look, I was wrong. I said that Darian White and I know there's people out there waiting for me to say this, so I'm going to make sure I do. I was wrong. I said Deion White was going to be competitive in this fight, and he was far from it. He was a lot of things, but he wasn't competitive. I did say, though, that Tyson Fury would win the fight. Matter of fact, my exact words was, I can't go against Tyson Fury. He's the best heavyweight there is right now, and, you know, I just, after all that he's done, coming off the floor and everything else. I, I can't go against this guy. And and even his in his life, coming back from from suicidal thoughts, problems with alcohol and substance abuse, being that depressed, and coming back from that, coming back from that. And and not only surviving it, but excelling, thriving, becoming the best in the world and what he does and world famous and world rich. And an example, a, a, a real example f- for people to follow, to, to remember that no matter how low you get in life, no matter what happens, how depressed you get, how down on yourself you get, you can come back. That it, it's not as bad as you think it is at that moment. You can come back. You can come back and make things life, make things right. Make life fair. Make life right for yourself again. The only way you can't come back is if you give up. But if you don't give up, there's a lot out there that still can be in store for you, that you still can achieve, you still can discover. So he, he's a... I mean, this man is a, a great messenger for people that have been down in their lives, just like George Foreman was... Great for people over 40, 50 years old. The Geritol crowd, he used to call them, you know, <laughs> where, where, he, where he would remind people. He won the world title at 45, I think, against my fighter, Michael Moore, 44, 45. He reminded people that, you know, uh, being over 40, it's not too late uh being close to 50 it's not over you still can achieve your goals you can still achieve and reach your dreams uh you know you're not old until you give in and say yeah i'm old uh this
0: that's exactly right it's you only you're only there like you said you're only done when you quit If you don't quit, you're still in the fight. I posted something on Instagram the other day. Joe Rogan posted a picture of a 60-year-old, 68-year-old. I think the guy was 70, but he started jujitsu at 68, and he was getting his black belt under a legitimate black belt world champion. And all I could think was like, man, if people get we're so conditioned to think that you're getting old because everyone says you should be old I feel like as young as I've ever been physically and if you don't if you genuinely convince yourself that that's how you feel it's never too late to do anything get in shape get a black belt whatever i mean it's you're in control of your own destiny. Be a better Either father. Be a,
1: be a better parent. Yep. Uh, be a better spouse. You know, maybe, maybe God forbid, something happened. Uh, maybe you were away for years uh, from the raising of your children. Right? Maybe, yep. maybe that. And you think, oh, it's too late. Now, you know, I haven't seen my kid in 10 years, 11 years, whatever. Uh, now he or she is is, is grown up. I missed all though It's not too late. Yeah, you did miss all those. Hundred percent. But you're not gonna miss the rest unless you say you're gonna miss the rest, unless you lie. Exactly. You know what the
0: biggest problem for people is ego. They let their ego get in the way, and they're like, "It's been so long." Put yourself out of the equation, and I guarantee, if you had a friend who was describing this situation, I haven't talked to my kid in ten years. Here's what I should do: you would tell that friend. Pick up the phone right now and get the ball rolling in the right direction. The worst thing that could happen is they tell you they don't want to see you and you're in the same position you're in right now. The best thing is they leave the door cracked open and now it's up to you to break it down and prove that you've made a mistake and you're willing to move forward regardless of what the topic is. You would tell, if you were debating or contemplating doing something and and you described it to someone else or someone described it to you, you'd probably be the first one to say, take the first step. That's the hardest one. Once the body, once the body's motion, body in motion tends to stay in motion. It's basic physics. So, yeah, to your point, like, don't waste any time. Today is a fresh day. Start today, whatever it is.
1: Ken, the other, um, the other things that I want to finish up with the analysis of this fight is that when I talk about day white and I was critical, and I was for a reason, not to just wake up on the side of the bed that says I'm going to be critical of Damian White today no I have to deliver what I believe is the truth of what that performance was connected to lack of preparation was one of them and we in the fight plan we did the fight plan we got a really really good reaction to it a lot of people watched it and again I, I picked the right guy to win but I said it was going to be competitive it wasn't but what I was right on the money with was the opportunities, opportunities that if you're ready for them, it could be something, it could be the difference in a fight. Day and White wasn't ready for them. And, but it was shown throughout the night, Ken, where Fury reaches in to grab you after he finishes his one, two sometimes, or when you start to get close to him. He reaches in to grab you. And when he does, for that split second, one second, half a second, that two feet that he moves forward to grab you with that hulking body of his, there's susceptibility. There's vulnerability. There's an opportunity to catch him. There's a hole. And if you're ready, you drop down, you hit him with an uppercut. You take a half a step back, you make him fall a little bit more. You catch him a left hook, a right uppercut. But that opportunity was there, but Dean White wasn't prepared at all for it, at all for it, and that was blatant. Again, uh, if he followed that in the fight plan, that was one opportunity he caught her caught the guy, one. The other was when we talked about when White sometimes, uh, when Fury sometimes goes straight back, you have to follow him with the jab, two jabs, and then throw the right hand. Again, the jam, the jam, no jams, no jams to close the gap. No, just, just big win makers to try to get there, hoping to get there, hopelessly against hope to get there because it doesn't make sense because it doesn't work because the physics of it, the technology of it, the, it, it's not there. To throw a punch from left field and land it on a guy that tall, that fleet footed, that that nimble, that smart, that you know, that uh, that elusive. I mean, do you get lucky sometimes, but do you want to go into a heavyweight title fight at Wembley Stadium with ninety-six thousand people to get lucky? That's not how you're supposed to go in there. That's what it looked like he was going in there for that. To get lucky. And the other thing is, I'm not going to take credit for this, obviously. Uh, the uppercut that landed on White, it was perfectly set up. I described it. But we did talk about that White was susceptible to uppercuts in a fight plan. It More on the inside, though. This was on the outside. Because he leans forward. Because when he looks to dodge something, avoid something that's coming towards his head, He's got a bad habit of leaning forward a little bit and getting hit with uppercuts. The other thing was we did say in the fight plan that White was vulnerable to body punches because he raises his elbows too high. If you throw a jab at him or whatever you're throwing at the head, he will raise his arms up to protect himself and leave downstairs naked, leave it vulnerable. Well, he got caught some good body shots also by by fury and again fury fury showed you know all the dimensions of a good fighter you know going to the body in spots using the jab to set the table eating with the right hand defending when he had to defend but mostly control and range just a beautiful job all night long a consistent job consistency is always a part of success you know that ken in your world in any vocation be consistent he consistently controlled that range and made it difficult for white to get anywhere near him and he discouraged him by controlling that range. he not only beat him physically he beat him mentally and emotionally he made him feel hopeless he made him feel like he was a five to one underdog you know, he 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 made him feel like I don't belong in here.
0: And uh, that's a great point about Fury. I think he frustrates. Like he's so big and can be like so sloppy when he leans on you. It's just infuriating as you're trying to get off, and this giant guy is putting all his weight on you. You can see how guys would just get frustrated and be like in desperation like he's operating under the rules but you're like come on ref he's holding me but you're like yeah okay that's part of the game like you can see where guys would just be like come on i can't do anything with this big guy you don't
1: cooperate with you and the other thing we mentioned on this podcast ken uh a few weeks ago was that you knew and this don't make me the amazing kreskin but (laughs) you knew that in was gonna fight him you knew that that was being made. You just knew you'd you'd have to, you'd have to be really um, a little bit empty upstairs uh, to not uh, to not recognize that that was going to be the end goal or one of the end goals. Even when he retired, when he retired two days before the fight, I or he announced he was going to be his last fight. The first thing I thought was. You're going to retire, and then you're going to fight. It's not a boxing match, so you can stick to your word. I'm retired from boxing, but not, not from making money and not from fighting. <laughs> I'm going to come back, and I'm going to fight a mega fight, a mega, mega, mega fight where both guys could probably cash in paydays of South Of a hundred million each. That's not unthinkable. North, North. North, I'm sorry, north. North North, uh, was yeah, south of your house, but north of the rest of the world (laughs) because you're in a very special place up there very you're you're up there very high where there's kind of hard to differentiate between (laughs) east, west, south and north. But yeah.
0: He, you know people really believe this. Like I, I know, get messages I know, from I people know. like, Let me see uh, your Ferraris. Yeah, I'm like, he's we're joking, yeah, you know that, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: you know, he he's he, and he doesn't have four. He's got two. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Okay?
0: And it, And they're all remote control. <laughs> and, and they're all remote control
1: and his kids know how to how to control that very well. Very well. But Ken, uh, to me that was That was obvious. That was an easy one to predict. That that has to happen because of the money involved. And it's going to take on another whole domain, another whole realm. Because there's a reason why Marvel Comics continues to make Spider-Man, Thor, and Hulk, and Superman movies. Because it captures the imagination of the pub People want superheroes. They do. And you remember that... You remember that in the first Rocky movie... I know there's been like a 100 of them. But in the first Rocky, which was a hell of a movie. And the second one was too. But in that first Rocky movie, when... Apollo creed was getting ready to figure out who he was gonna fight and he was looking through the record books and trying to on the bicentennial of our country who am i gonna fight and then he finds it he looks he says there it is i'm gonna fight sylvester stallone uh not sylvester i'm sorry uh rocky gamb uh balboa balboa rocky the italian the it, that was the key The Italian Stian. And then he says to his promoter, he turns to his promoter, and he says, Apollo Creed versus the Italian Stian. It's a damn monster movie. It's like a damn monster. And and, and people love Godzilla. They, They love monster movies. And they can't get enough of them. They can't get enough of the superheroes. It captures the imagination of people. It entertains people. People want to allow their imagination to run wild. They want the opportunity. Give them something. Give give them give them a, 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 a runway. Like an airplane needs a runway. Your, your private jet, for example, right? It <laughs> needs a runway to take off. Give them a runway, Ken for their imagination to truly take off. That's what people want, and that's what great promoters lock into. They recognize that. Give them a runway. This is a runway for their imagination to take over. You got Ganyu, the UFC heavyweight champ, big, big, massive, strong man who can punch like hell, and you got him in there with the heavyweight champ of the world, Tyson Fury. It's a monster movie. It's, it's a monster movie. It's going to make monster money. Um, but it's not fair. It's not fair. And I know that. No, I agree. It's not fair. And I know Rob's going to, you know, when we get done with this, Rob does such a magnificent job where he'll put clips out and grab, you know, certain topics that I said something and he'll put it out there. And, and it's one of those topics is going to be, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great extravaganza. But it's not fair. You know why it's not fair? 100%. Yeah, because it's not, it's it's like saying, okay, we're going to fight you, but you got to put your hands behind your back. And people will say, Teddy, what are you talking about? What am I talking about? Listen, it's an age-old question. Who's better, the boxer or the MMA fighter? Everybody is always in search of that. But until you make the rules where both of them can use their skills in that octagon or in that ring, it's not fair. And look, I've been in business almost 50 years, Ken. And so my sport obviously is boxing. But I've gained a great respect for the UFC, the same, and for the fighters and for the people that do this and the cold they live by, just like the boxers in my business. I have a great respect for all of them. But to say that that's a fair way of finding out who the better man, the better fighter is, when you're going to take one, that can go and use all his skills, all his acquired skills over 20 years, or whatever it is that he's been 15 years that he's been fighting with the amateurs, with the pros. That he can go in there and box and do everything that he's obviously been trained to do. And then you're going to tell the UFC or the MMA fighter that hey, you you can't grapple, you can't use two jitsu so you can't go to the floor, you can't. P- Grab the guy and pick him up. Uh, no and you kicking. can't elbow. You can't kick. You can't do any of that. But we're gonna find out who the best fighter is uh, out of both of your uh, both of your sports. No, you're not. No, you're not. The fighter, the boxer, is gonna win. The boxer is gonna win because it's his realm. It's his domain. And it, you're again, you're tying the guy's hands behind his back. You're taking away the skills that he needs to be at his best. And, and I don't want to hear it where they say, well, they're going to use the MMA gloves. What? What? So what? You know what? Good chance that Ngannou, as much as I love him, as strong as he is, as much as he's improved, and he has, and he's terrific, and he's a terrific human being, giving hope to his people of the Cameroon uh, with his title. He's a great human being. Not everyone does that. I applaud people that do that, that use their, their success for more than themselves. That's what makes them a champion. That's what's great. And that's part of what's great about Tyson Fury, that he gives hope to people that have been depressed, that have been, well, had problems. All of that is true, and I acknowledge all of that, and I applaud all of it. But when you say, oh, we will make it fair now because we're going to give him the MMA gloves, he might never land, he being Francis, he might never land a punch where those gloves are even relevant because he's in there with a guy who's been a boxer, and has been taught and has spent his whole career and life being taught how to avoid punches from top fighters. He's the going to...
0: is really good at being top, invasive.
1: Top fighters. He's going to have a good chance of avoiding a punch, whether it's got a 10-ounce glove or whether it's a bare fist. He's going to have a damn good chance of avoiding that because of his acquired skills and his calmness in that environment. That he's been in since he was a kid. And Ganyu doesn't have that advantage. His skill, best skill levels are also being, he's great, he's athletic. When I was in a ring with him in Vegas, you were there, and, I, and I, he asked me to train him for one day, and I did. I'm there. I, I was just, I was overwhelmed by his athleticism. A guy 6'5", 260 pounds of nothing but steel, muscle and steel, could throw a kick. You have to see him in person to appreciate
0: how fit he is. He's incredible.
1: Could throw a kick above your head. Well, guess what? Yeah. He ain't going to be throwing kicks. He ain't going to be allowed to do that. He's not going to be allowed to use that athleticism to its fullness, to its extent that he should be allowed to use. He's not. He's not. He's going to be handicapped. So, But at the end of the day, what what is the great equalizer? Money. He's going to get well, 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 well compensated. Look, does that mean he has no chance at all? I'm not saying that. But I'm saying the odds are greatly stacked against him because of what I just described in, in a proper way. And, but... Again, uh 100 million feet guy, that might be a that might be a big underestimation. That might be it might be 150. I don't know, it could be 200 million for each guy. I mean because again, the people will buy into
0: it. Especially if they get someone like the Saudis to pay a huge uh, site fee, which is probably what's going to happen. Someone's going to pay a ton of money to get that fight into their venue. Yeah, I
1: mean it's it's I mean it's everything. Back in the day, Ken what was the greatest promotional entertainment thing on the on the planet? It might have been Ringling Brothers and Barnaby Circus. Really, everybody wanted to go there, see the elephants, the tigers, the lions. You know, the, the jumping through the fl- the the ring of flames, and you know, there might have been a two-headed uh something over there too. Somebody with two heads, right? I mean, just to see the just the magnificence of that kind of show the just the just the, the the largeness i mean of that kind of show of of all the elements that attracted people and that's what they're putting on that's what they're putting on i'm not calling it a circus circus but it's got the atmosphere of a circus it's got the attention that a circus would, you would want us to get, that a circus gets. It, it, it's it got all those elements. And they're smart to go for it. I mean, you just knew. You just knew that it was coming. Yeah. You knew it was when coming. I, when I...
0: um, When I saw them them both in the ring, I couldn't help but to think of uh, our friends at Athletic Greens because Francis looks like a genetic freak in there. I'm telling you, when you see this guy without a shirt on a 6'5", 265, ripped, and Tyson Fury, who's certainly not winning any, like, he's not a threat to be on the cover of Men's Health anymore, has nothing to do with his fighting prowess, but his physique, it's not like Francis. And when I saw it, I said, I I text Rob, I said, looks like Francis has taken his Athletic Greens. And while we're talking about just a quick shout out to our friends at athletic greens go to athleticgreens.com use the promo code atlas they'll send you 10 free travel packs with your first purchase again i take this every single day I credit it with keeping me healthy through two bouts of COVID, shoulder surgery eight weeks before the Boston Marathon. I rebounded quickly. It's one of the elements that I credit with, like keeping me healthy through everything. Athletic Greens, please check them out, athleticgreens.com. Use the promo code ATLAS for 10, tr- 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. But I'm happy for Francis, Teddy, as you know. And look, we love Dana White, too. He's a friend of ours. But at the end of the day, I hope Francis gets every dollar he has coming, t- coming to him and his and his his agent well, he's got, got a very smart agent.
1: With- his agent, his agent, Markel he's Martin. friendly with yep. us. He's very smart. He, they've done a great. They've stuck together. Uh, they've done a great job. Uh, and again, uh, he deserves it for me. Uh, just being a human being that Francis is. Uh, g- uh, he can't get enough money for me. G- get as much as you can. And Fury for that part because they both risked themselves. In this, in their business, when they get in that octagon or in that ring, they both put themselves at risk. As I said for years on ESPN, when you get in a ring, there's a chance you're getting out of that ring with less of yourself. So for that, yep, you should get paid for nothing for and for nothing else, just for that alone. You should get paid as much money as you can get, and um, I, I. I it's you know it's gonna, it's going to wind up happening uh there's too much money for it not to happen it's uh it's going be it's going to be interesting it's going to be a spectacle you know going back to I always use the analogies right with uh, with uh, movies go to the Godfather the second godfather uh, when uh when Hyman Roth was talking to Michael Corleone, and they were talking about their new venture into building hotels and casinos in Cuba. And uh, and Hyman Roth said, we're going to be bigger than U.S. Steel. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be bigger than you. Michael, we're going to be bigger than U.S. Steel. Ken, they're going to be bigger than U.S. Steel uh, with this. And another movie, the Rocky, what was it? Rocky two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine. I'm not sure, but one of the Rocky movies where Rocky had to do that exhibition with Hulk Hogan, right? Yep. For me, if you want to give real credence to saying it's fair, really fair, in my you know my estimation, at least give them. One minute of one round where Francis is allowed to grab him and <laughs> pick him up in the air over his shoulders. Francis might be able to do it. As big as he is, he might be able to if Rocky can pick up Hulk Hogan, um, I I think Francis I think Francis could could pick up uh Fury.
0: And just one- You ever see him pick up uh you ever see him pick up Shaq? Francis just grabbed Shaq and picked him right up.
1: <laughs> Shaq's yeah, I mean Shaq is even bigger yeah. than Tyson Fury. Yeah. So yeah. just give him one minute on a round where he's allowed to do that. I'll pay for that. Uh, I'll pay for that, you know? And and for the fans out there that want to see when that that flick, the, you know, that uh, little video where we were in Vegas and I was in a ring, you know, showing him some things. Uh, Francis... They should see when you were in the ring with them. Talk, talk, <laughs> about, talk about Athletic Greens. Let me tell you, people, he was in there sparring with Francis. The <laughs> only thing that saved his life might have been Athletic Greens. Oh, one other thing. <laughs> his legs. His, <laughs> yeah. his legs. He, he used those legs pretty good. He used those legs pretty, oh, darn, right. pretty darn good. <laughs> Who was the great comedian? I think it was the great, great. Um, Richard Pryor I think um, that once said that he was shadow boxing with uh, I think it was either Ali or Joe Frazier I think it was Ali he was shadow boxing and then Ali started putting his hands up whatever and then he said to himself legs don't fail me now <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that was Richard Pryor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what Ken was saying when he saw. He oh, got in sure. there, he was feeling good. You know, he was feeling good and everything. <laughs> exactly. And then all of a sudden, and Ganyu gets in. And he gets in there, and you know, you bend down low to get through the ropes. And then he started to straighten up and go up and up and, <laughs> up, and up and up. And Ken looked up and, legs, don't fail me now.
0: France is such a nice guy after we were clowning around throwing punches I just shot in to try and take him down and he grabbed me just loosely in a guillotine and he just put it on for a second I he could have like ripped my head right off I was like oh tap tap (laughs) that guy is uh on top of being a world-class human is also just so athletic and big it's just when you see someone like that in person it's it's jaw-dropping i mean he's a he's a freak of absolute freak and he works as hard as anyone and that's the key is when you have all those gifts like a lebron james they work so hard on top of being that gifted they just like next level athletes but um yeah, I'm curious to see what happens with that one. I'm sure it's going to get made, and I'm sure they're going to make a ton of dough. I'm happy for Francis and Markel. Markel has taken his share of abuse from Dana over the years uh, as as a result of his involvement with CAA, who's, you know, the, the UFC is owned by WME, uh, Endeavor, and um, they're, they're not exactly like best pals with CAA. You know, it's a bit of a rivalry, the two biggest agencies. So having Francis being managed by one or the other, uh, agencies in Hollywood isn't necessarily the best um, course for good negotiations, but nevertheless, it's happening and uh be curious to see how the whole thing plays out. Um, you want to do some quick hits and cover these upcoming fights this weekend? We've got um, Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano, we've got Shakur Stevenson and Oscar Valdez, two incredibly entertaining fights. If Rob could put some time on the clock, we'll rattle through some of these and uh, give a full breakdown of the fights, obviously, next week, but I'm looking forward to these fights as much as any fight. I mean... I'm a huge, huge Amanda Serrano fan with her. I did, Sorry, I did a uh, interview one time in Brooklyn with her on a radio show, and she's just, she's just the nicest girl. She really is just a sweetheart of a girl, and Shakur Stevenson is obviously one of the top, along with Oscar Valdez, top up-and-coming prospects. So, man, this is going to be a good one. I wish they weren't both on at the same time, but we'll have to watch one of them on tape delay, but I'm going to watch them both. All right, so, Teddy, for the quick hitters, Assuming uh, Alexander Usyk beats Anthony Joshua again, um, how do you see the Fury-Usyk playing out? Do you think that Fury is genuinely retired, or do you think he'll want to unify all the titles? Because obviously Usyk has the majority of the belts other than the WBC.
1: He's going to make so much money, Fury, uh, in the Ngannou in fight, the event, if you want to call it the mega event, uh, the extravagant mega event. He's going to make so much money in that. that I don't know if he's... And he's got his legacy intact uh, or intact. Uh, I don't know that he's going to really have anything more to prove inside the ring. Uh, I'd love to see him. If I could pick one, it wouldn't be Joshua. Uh, I think that he handles Joshua easier than Uzik. I know Uzik's not as big. I get it. But he's a winner. Olympic gold medalist, undefeated heavy, cruiserweight and heavyweight champion. Uh, he, he's a special guy. He knows how to win. And he knows how to box, he knows how to fight, he knows how to adapt. He knows how to find a way. He knows how to overcome, like those great Ukrainian people now uh, trying to overcome this awful, awful, awful invasion uh, from Russia. So I I, I don't count out on Usyk. I'd, I'd like to see him in fury. I really would. I, but I'm not so sure you, again, I'm not so sure that you will see that fight uh for the reasons I just said. You know, he he said he retired. He could keep his word now. He could come back and fight in Ganyu and say, I didn't break my word. I retired from boxing, but not from, you know, making money and not from, you know, uh fighting on the whole. This is a different brand of fighting, a different dimension of fighting. Uh so I, I think at the end of the day, uh that's up in the air. Uh, whether or not you're ever going to see that, but uh, I would. I think he beats Joshua uh, hands down, Uh, and I think that, you know, that chin of Joshua's that has been broken like your mom's china uh, has been broken uh, a few times. I I think that it would get broken again, but again, even though he's smaller, Uzek would be a, a little bit of a... A different challenge. Fury
0: said on an interview with Joe Rogan that the toughest fight he's ever had was Steve Cunningham, and I'll never forget watching that fight in the afternoon he on a Saturday because I didn't know Tyson. Yes, and he said that he couldn't do anything with Steve Cunningham. He was fast and slick. Everything he tried. if People go back and watch Tyson Fury on Joe Rogan. With that being said, if Usyk gets through Joshua and they did fight Fury and Usyk, what do you? How do you think that fight plays out?
1: Uh, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, again, I it's easier to pick Fury you know he's he's the easy one to choose Uh, just go with him he's undefeated he's 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 not only beating everybody in the ring he's won the fight outside the ring with his life as I talked about earlier overcoming depression overcoming substance abuse overcoming suicidal thoughts Uh, the guy knows how to win too the guy knows how to win too he knows how uh, not, not to in any way give in to defeat. Uh, it, it'd be hard. He's a big guy. He's very versatile, fury, very dimensional. Uh, it, it'd be hard to pick against him. But this is one fight. I would give it. I give it some extra thought uh, about maybe picking against him and maybe going with the big upset with Usyk. But one of the X factors and variables here is obviously the war that's going on in the Ukraine. How how long will Usyk be out of, you know, out of activity, Uh, you know, where he'll be out of the ring for how long? Oh uh, I think dealing. I
0: saw something that said he's out of the country now and back in training camp for Joshua, I think. i confirm it, but yeah. I'm yeah, assuming i assuming he if, is.
1: If he is, then he's got to get past Joshua again, which I believe he will. But uh, after going through what he's going through, it's kind of like what I talked about Fury. He's made so much money. He's accomplished everything for his legacy. <laughs> he's done so many things. He came back from the brinks of, of, you know, death in, in the way that he was thinking about death, thinking about ending it. He's come back from that, he's done so much fury. you start to think what more is there it, 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 it can start to have a toll on you that you've been through all of that, that journey. Well it can have a toll on you to go through a war with your country and you know and then say he beats Joshua, and you're still the heavyweight champ. Does he have enough left? Does he have enough desire in him? Has the war impacted him? Has it changed his outlook? Where he says, "You know what? Uh, it's it's not worth it anymore." You know, I want to just be with my family. I just watched, I just watched the country get attacked and get destroyed in many ways buildings people killed you know i don't want to have any more to do with fighting that's possible i remember uh, the one of the greatest movies i ever saw man on fire with denzel washington where he's talking in there when he w- wants to come back and go after these people and and he talks to uh, the guy that was with the the co-star um christopher walken and he says to him, "I need your help." And Crystal Walken says to him, because they were both guys that you know did did the jobs they did. They went out there and they fought people. And um, they he says to him, "But Gracie, I I don't want to. I'm done killing. I don't want to do any more killing." And he said, "Okay, just get me what I need." And that that comes a time when you know uh, uh, where. You know, we're, we're not saying literally, figuratively, you're done with that part of your life. You're done with killing. You're done with fighting. So I think those are things that bear thinking about when you start talking about the possibility of those fights
0: i would make the argument just to play devil's advocate that usa could view it as let me clean this all up in the name of ukraine and make the give the ukrainian people hope and something to like yes get rally the troops you know but he
1: could do that he could do that with the joshua fight though of course
0: but there's that one belt still out there
1: yeah no you're right i mean look he can use that and I think he would use that in the charge for fight. <laughs> but you're right. He could use that to unify all the belts. Um yep. to say this is to bring hope. This is to this is to symbolize the strength and the hope for the Ukrainian people moving forward. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. The small, the smaller man representing Ukraine against the big, powerful Fury representing, like theoretically, like the Russians, the little man can come in there. Size doesn't matter. I just think it would make for an excellent storyline. Who knows? Like you said, when Usyk is going through some stuff that ho- hopefully we'll never have to experience, the horrors of being—imagine uh, neighbor, your neighborhood, your, your country is being invaded by a superpower. It's, 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 it's terrible what's happening, but. Nevertheless, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Last question on the uh, on the heavyweight topic. Hypothetically, if Fury were to get the winner of Usyk and Joshua and to win, do you rank him in the top five heavyweights of all time? People have been flooding us with questions about where do you rank Fury in terms of the greatest heavyweights of all time?
1: I don't think you can put him in the top five. but Make him the greatest British heavyweight, no problem, obviously. Um,
0: Better than Lennox Lewis?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, Lennox Lewis was terrific, but he, you know, he obviously wasn't undefeated, uh, and he was, uh, you know, he's a gold medalist uh, from the Olympics. Lennox Lewis, terrific heavyweight, uh, you know, terrific person outside the ring, inside the ring, uh, everything. Uh, originally, I believe, originally from Jamaica and raised in uh the uk i believe i believe and
0: spent time in canada jamaica canada and uk and,
1: uh, yeah uh, jamaica ca- canada you're right uh, listen you want to s- make them the lettings to top uk heavyweight champ of all time uh if if you can do that but then i think that fury would would succeed that you know uh fury would would succeed him and and take that place uh with what he's done he's undefeated uh you know he's 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 fought everybody except well put it this way let him go beat Usyk really let him beat Usyk and then I can start thinking about not the greatest of all time but I could start thinking maybe I let him into the top five maybe because uh, the greatest of all time you talk about guys like Joe Lewis, Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, Jack Johnson. I mean, come on, uh, you know. And and then you get to Larry Holmes, and th- there's just so many of them. Joe Frazier and Mike Tyson. My goodness, Mike Tyson at his prime, obviously. So when you're talking about that, there's longevity involved there. Uh, some of these guys. I know you can only fight the guys of your era. I talked about that earlier. Um, but he was around, Fury was around in a, in, a, in a pretty good era to be heavyweight. If you're gonna be heavyweight, he was around in a pretty good era. It's kind of like if you're gonna be a farmer, you wanna be around when the, when the soil is fertile, right? When, when there's mm-hmm. good soil. And, and the soil is fertile right now to be a top heavyweight. It, it, it's fertile. So you can grow your corn. You know, you can grow your produce. And he's done that, but there were other eras where the the ground was not as fertile uh, to grow your produce, where the heavyweight division was a little tougher. And some of these guys I mentioned, not only were they around doing that those eras, but they ventured into other eras. They were around that long. They ventured into other decades of other fighters. So to make them greatest of all time. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I, I don't I, I just don't see uh, that being practical or even responsible right now. I, I think that that's we're getting over exuberant. We're getting caught up, we're getting intoxicated by the moment. But when you sit back and you look at the guys that you have to look at, when you're going to put together that list, I think that you calm down a little bit. And the emotion goes away a little bit uh you see it for the way it needs to be seen
0: that's great i think we've covered everything on that fight let's talk about the fights coming up this weekend rob get a fresh three minutes on the clock here um first up i want to talk about uh i'm dying for this fight shakur stevenson and uh, oscar valdez man this is a good one on paper what do you think
1: yeah it, listen style wise I probably have my brothers, I'd rather watch Valdez, a little bit more fan-friendly. I'm taking nothing away from Shakur. Um, matter of fact, I'm giving him a compliment because he's harder to hit. He's, he's a more overall, dimensional fighter, more buttoned-up fighter. He's got less weaknesses than Valdez. So I'm actually giving him a compliment. He's not as fan-friendly because he's harder to hit, because he's not as vulnerable quite friendly part of being fan friendly is that your vulnerability usually comes into that equation of being fan friendly and um so he's for me he's not the most exciting guy to watch Chicago, but he is if you're a student of the game uh kind of like if you're a real baseball fan a student of the game where you don't want to just walk into a ballpark and only see the ball go over the fence you know it's kind of like watching again a fan-friendly fighter you want to see the knockouts you want to see the the pounding the the inside fight the whatever the grit the uh, the grind you want to see the battle right and Not that you don't get that with Shakur, but usually it's one-sided. Usually he's the guy that is running the troops. He's the general. And usually you want to see both sides a little bit. You don't get that as much because of the skill level of Shakur, quite frankly. Uh, But as a baseball aficionado, you might want to go to the ballpark and see that great pitcher that could disarm these great hitters that can switch the speeds of the pitch, move the ball around, hit different parts of the plate, you know, take that bat out of his hands. That's a great science. There's a great art to doing that. And Shakur is more along those lines of the great pitches where he can do that. And um, at the end of the day, if it was one factor that I will based this on who's gonna win the fight it's the fact of who gets hit less that's Shakur you know his defense is better his all-around game is tighter he can do other than be a big puncher you know he gets your attention though and he goes to the body pretty good but he he's pretty complete package he there's not I don't know if there's anything he can't do.
0: How about this line, Teddy? For the guys at my bookie, Shakur Stevens is minus 610 plus 455 on Valdez. I mean, at that price, I think you have to take Valdez, right?
1: I'm not. I didn't think it happened. You're right. But I I think the guy who's going to wind up having his hand raised. Listen, the reason I touched on defense, Valdez has been on the floor a few times. I know he's undefeated. And listen, it speaks to his great heart. He knows how to behave like a champion, get off the floor, and do what he's got to freaking do, win, win. Um, It speaks to his great character. But uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm going with Chagor on what I just said overall, his skill sets, but his defense is better.
0: And then uh just before we get to the uh Serrano Taylor fight, I just noticed on my bookie, they've got a line on everything. I love these guys. Tyson Fury, minus five hundred, Francis Ngannou plus two fifty.
1: Yeah, I listen. Interesting. Tyson Fury is probably gonna win a fight if it's boxing rules. Forget about if they make you wear M M. A. gloves. He might not put a glove on. You know, like the the old saying, yeah. he might not put a glove them Um he, yep. be, he being Francis and ganyu might never put a glove so it don't matter how big or small the gloves are what matters is the rules if he's not allowed yeah. to grapple he's not allowed to put his hands on him he's not allowed to kick he's not allowed to use elbows um, he's you know it's expected to be a big line like that because he's expected to be second best when it comes to the striking of a guy who's been doing it his whole life you know it's, yep. it's really not fair to be quite but listen, they get well compensated for it. And um there'll be people that think Francis has a a chance. And listen, I, I will I will not uh count him out, but uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be an uphill battle. He's gonna need some help.
0: Yeah, okay, let's talk about last one. Um Katie Taylor. Amanda Serrano, Madison Square Garden. I think it's the first time ever that women have headlined a sold-out show at MSG for any combat sports, including the UFC. And uh, like I said earlier, I'm a big fan of Amanda Serrano, but how, who doesn't like Katie Taylor? I mean, she's, you've never read a story about her outside of the ring. All she does is show up and like lay her whole life on the line to get the win. I've seen her a few times fight in person, and man, she delivers. So two really good people going at it. What do you think?
1: Well, you know, we had um, we had Jake Paul on who promotes, and people that didn't see the interview, they should go back in archives and they should watch the interview. I think Rob is liking me today. He's giving me some extra time on, uh, on the <laughs> clock there. I got my own stopwatch right here, so I'm, I'm, I'm right on him. But... He, Jake Paul is promoting Serrano, doing a great job with that, and it's going to be a big payday. They deserve it. Um, And I, I think that, and I had mentioned this to Jake Paul when we had him on, that Serrano gets the edge as far as eye candy. What do I mean by that? She's really exciting to watch. So, I mean, her, the way she looks, her physique, her, her dynamics. Uh, she's got a dynamic style, an explosive style. A really good offensive fighter. Uh, really, really electric. Uh, like I said, explosive. I think that's fair uh, with the kind of talent that she has. And, the, and the, just the approach, the aggressive approach that she has. But... Taylor might be better in the defensive part of it, as I talked about, you know, Shakur being better than Valdez in the defensive part. Uh, she she was a terrific amateur, uh, Katie Taylor. I caught her fights for NBC. I did four Olympics for NBC. I think that was my last Olympics. I think it was in London, and um, she represented Ireland. She won the gold medal. Here's the, I, I think she might be the, all-around package she might be a little tighter she i mean as far as maybe not from the offensive side as much or the explosive side as much or the punching side power side as much but as far as just everything from the elusive abilities the boxing abilities um the technical aspects of it she might be a little more buttoned up and just a little more dimensional uh, in that ring. Here's the X factor, though. She's got a lot of miles on the old domino that you hear me talk about a lot of times, breaking down fights, where, you know, she's, there's some wear and tear. She's been around. She's had a lot of fights. I mentioned the Olympics. She had a lot of amateur fights. Serrano doesn't have that kind of possible wear and tear or miles on the old domino. She might be fresher nobody's talked about this but i look at it she just might be a little fresher uh as far as that goes and that could be a big difference in this fight it really could be for serrano uh at the end of the day though until i know that she's a little shop one katie taylor which i'm hinting towards that there's a possibility until i know it for sure I'll go with what I always go with, who I think is the more complete fighter. And I admire them both. And I'm glad that they're making this kind of money. But I'll go with Katie Taylor by decision.
0: All right. Well, the line on that for the guys at my bookie, I th- I think it opened with Katie Taylor a slight favorite, or if nothing else, dead even. Now they've got it. Amanda Serrano's minus 140 plus 120 on Katie Taylor.
1: Yeah, listen. I, I could understand that. Um, the style... The eye candy, as I said, the explosive approach, the power, um, the offensive ability uh that that Serrano brings to this match, uh it's all there. It's all there. And it's there for her to be a favorite. I I and being a little fresher. Uh I, I can see that. But uh, Katie Taylor knows how to win. Serrano does too, but Katie Taylor has been in many many situations unless as I said, the possibility that she's a little more shop one that i i know i i think uh between counter punching boxing using a ring um all the things that make up you know her you know her style uh her her package, if you will. I, I think that to call on all of that to, to try to get this win.
0: This is going to be uh going to be an exciting weekend. Well, I've got an interesting side story for you. I'm going tonight. Uh do you, have you ever heard of a gospel a R&B singer called BB Wynans? He has a sister, Cece, B.B. and Cece Winans. They're like really famous gospel slash R&B singers. Anyway, I see this guy, he's maybe a little bit older than me, and I see him running all the time in the street. And the other day he stopped me, hey, what's up, man? I just wanted to see who you were, because we see each other all the time. And I was like, oh, thanks for stopping. Turns out he's this famous singer. So he saw me this morning. And like, you're the you famous, and, your
1: and you're the, don't leave that part, I will let him leave <laughs> no. it out. And you're the famous <laughs> podcaster. Go ahead, continue. Yes. Continue. <laughs> Two says, two uh, famous people. I need Frank Sinatra music. Two famous when people I tell you, meeting in the night. <laughs> Strangers in the night. When oh, I meeting. tell you I
0: don't see I don't see five people running when I run here typically. In LA and New York there'd be hundreds every day. But so in LA guy, you used to
1: you used to see mountain lions. You don't see 100%. them no more, thank goodness.
0: Nope, no more mountain lions. <laughs> so I said so I see him and we always And they knew like
1: you it. too. The Mountain Lions knew who you were. So.
0: <laughs> That's why he left me alone. They were like, oh, all right guy's not worth it. We'll get an easier target in LA. Someone else, the next We gotta leave
1: that guy alone.
0: The next guy on the trail's gonna roll over. This guy looks like he might defend himself. Um, so this guy, BB Wine is super nice guy. We and we've talked a few times. So today he said to me, Hey, my friend is in town singing at the uh, Ryman Theater. Do you wanna go with me? I'm like, Yeah. Yeah, sure i didn't know who it was he goes do you ever heard of a woman called gladys knight i'm like yeah i have heard of her he's like yeah that's my friend come on we're gonna go uh we're gonna go watch a show and then we'll have a drink with her after the show i told my wife she was like oh my god she helped my wife laugh she's like you're like forrest gump how did you fall into this i'm like yeah we're just i'm just friendly started <laughs> so i tell I'm you going he, to see gladys knight Midnight train to Georgia.
1: That Rolodex gets bigger and bigger, <laughs> and, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You're, you're going to have to hire someone to carry it. Yeah, Really? I even mean, nah. either, either, either that or double up on Athletic Greens because that's how- Definitely double up. That's how heavy this Rolodex <laughs>
0: Well, listen, Teddy, thanks for doing this today. This one was a lot of fun. And uh, again, I'm looking forward to this. Some good good stuff coming up on the fight front. So we've got uh, we've got another big weekend coming up. So looking forward to being with all the fans um, next week. And we are working on getting the, the Count Michael Bisman on the show. I love Michael Bisman. His documentary is incredible. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And with that... Guys, please like and subscribe with the show. It helps us a lot. Check out Athletic Greens, Teddy's Box Raw Collection, 36 collection at boxraw.com. And of course, check out the Audible book at at audible.com. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for being with us.